This podcast is brought to you by Casanovia, a lake, a school, a childhood. Need you any more things for a nice small town? That's Casanovia, New York. That's where I grew up. Thank you, Casanovia, for sponsoring the podcast. Um, welcome to Down by the River. My name is Terrence Hartnett. Thanks for listening. Of course, as always, I'm still in Austin, Texas. I am still in Austin, Texas. I cannot leave. There's comedy. You can do comedy. You can be outside. I've gone swimming. People don't go swimming right now at this time of year in Austin, typically. But it's like swimming in April. You know what I mean? Like the water's a little chilly. You know, it's a 68-degree day. Some days it gets up to 70. Um, so it reminds me of like swimming in upstate New York in April or September. You know what I mean? Like, um, so for me, that's great. But for them, it's like, whoa, look at this weird guy in the park swimming. <laughs> and... Um, I have to run away in my in my skivvies. Okay, today's guest is my old friend, my very old friend. Uh, we're both very old, and we've been friends for a long time. Uh, Chris Ryman. Chris Ryman I had not seen since high school in Casanova, New York. Um, we were friends in high school, and then, you know, as far as I had heard, he'd moved to Texas, one of those people. You know, he doesn't come to the reunion. You don't know what's going on. I didn't go to the reunion either, so I guess people don't know what's going on with me. But I didn't know what was happening with him. Really, I saw on Facebook some, you know, some pictures, some Austin stuff, yada, yada, yada. He's always wake surfing. Um, so we got together and talked about wake surfing and his a series of jobs. And, you know, the the way that someone's life can uh, can go from Casanova all the way down to Austin, Texas, and how you establish a life down here and um, what kind of stuff goes on down here. So, and just about Texas and... Um, and Chris, Chris is an interesting guy. I'm glad we were able to connect. We were actually <laughs> talking on a nude beach. Oh, pardon me. That's my phone. Um, we're on a nude beach, and uh, there's naked guys walking uh, before and after, back and forth behind us the entire time we were talking. Not, not many. It wasn't a very nice day. We were at a hippie hollow beach on Lake Travis. Um, there, I saw a naked jogger. You don't see naked joggers very often. You just don't, um, and it's for the reasons that you are thinking of, um, for all, whatever, <laughs> the reasons, you know? Um, this is a family podcast. Okay, well, thanks for listening, and if you know, and if you like the podcast, which I, I think you do, because you've listened to three minutes of me talk now, um, uh, please uh, give us a rating on iTunes, just a five-star rating, boom, boom. Also, even better would be to review the podcast by putting some words in that box down there. So I appreciate everyone who's done that um, so far. Uh, I really do. It's a personal favor to me. Um, and I, I will return that at any time, at any point during either of our lives, day or night, single or married, in sickness or in health, I will return that favor to you. Okay, so thanks for listening. Uh, let's, let's talk to Chris Ryman. Take it away, Steve. Down, down, down. A lot of the my job I can't talk about specifics because of the NDA that I have. Um, Wait, didn't you? St- are you done? Are you done there? I am done there, but I have a non-disclosure agreement where I can't talk to clients or, or any of that kind of stuff. I can't even say who. You know, I can't get close to certain things. But um, more or less, it came down like you go to clean a site up, you find out how long it's been dirty, 
and then you start to realize dirty with oil spilled dirty with underground uh release of gas oil underground storage tanks are the biggest problem they leak they leak oil they're le- they they leak so like ga- take a gas station for example yeah if a tank leaks they have systems to catch it but even if it catches it it takes time for them to you know stop the leak stop this get people out to do all the stuff so there's x amount now in the ground supposedly we'll say like roughly that amount well you start cleaning it up well if you get to a certain point where it's like well it's it's trace now well trace isn't clean but trace is okay <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's down to that levels where it's yeah you know who right, knows hey, hey. Well, i mean come on you're Could not be. gonna get all of it <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do <laughs> and then you know so over time you look at places where it's been like 30 40 years they've been doing it and for me it wasn't a reason um a sticking point for me but it was something i always thought about was are they really trying to clean it up or is it just we can put a band as long as we show that we're trying to do something it gets it out of the way it's almost oh, yeah. like paying it off you don't really have to clean it up you just show that you've been doing what you need to do every year <laughs> i've been doing my payments yeah right basically. pull that in it's cl- a little closer to you there you go yeah just like that you can get cash. right on cash get right on it so did you feel like uh, yeah, did you feel, so you felt morally like it was uh, a bad, I mean, it's like, that's a no brainer morally, right? Oil companies are, they're, they're out for themselves. They're going to do the bare minimum legal requirement to be good for the environment. Yeah. So, uh, well, part of that is a little bit of a misconception because actually big oil and gas does a really good job at cleanup. You and think? They, they do in terms of how many instances there are. It's shocking how many spills there are out there, how large they are, how many different wells are being drilled to test the groundwater in different places. Yeah, so there's a lot of spills. just here, you know. Um, they do spend a lot of money, and they try to do things above board. So when things go wrong, when you start to clean up, where it's, you know, people get wear, it wears on, I'm sure, those companies. It, it shouldn't because there is, a, you know, it's part of doing business, right? You've, yeah. You've spilled something, you need to clean it up. But the process to do that and how long it takes and the money it takes and this and that, that's another side of things. So are they the best at doing it? No. Yeah. They could do, I think, a lot more, but... So you didn't see anything where you were like, oh, that's kind of screwed up. They're really not, they're really like screwing over this community or this this area, this environment. No, nothing like that. That's kind of uh, nice. I mean, Good job, oil companies. Yeah. It, for a second and a half, right? Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, it's such a weird thing. It goes back and forth. You try to decide for yourself. And I wanted to be in that industry. In the oil industry? In in environmental protection. Okay, right. So that side of the oil industry. Yeah, and just keeping... Keeping people honest, but also, yeah, you want to protect people. I mean, there was there were certain projects that I was on that, you know, people had been impacted before, and the companies were paying out to these people, but they were paying out for us to go and continually test their wells because they were on well water. Yeah. So there is good faith within the industry with certain companies and certain uh, parts of it, and that's the part that I like to be on where it's like, hey, we're helping these people out, or we yeah. are actually getting it super clean, and you, you're really active in doing that. That's good. Um, and part of the work I was doing, that's what was going on, and part of it, it just seemed futile. You know, it, it didn't seem like we were going above and beyond to protect the environment. It was like... You're just breaking even. Right, and as an environmentalist and, and someone working for a company doing that, you know, it's a company. They have to make money. I understand right, that. Right. But being an employee, I get to hold that moral stance of, yeah, money or not, 
we should do this. Yeah, right. And, and, you know, this is how things should go. But So did you feel like there was a... Did you feel like that? Did you feel like there was a breaking point? Did you just stop? For me, uh, I was actually looking at that being a long-term uh, lifetime type position, like yeah. a career that I could really sink my teeth into. And, you know, it would take it takes years for change for anything. So with the firm that I was with and how small it was, they had done a lot of good and they had done a lot of stuff. And it was, uh, it was a way for me to get really deep into that world from the entry level position. Yeah. Which a lot of entry level positions, it takes years to get to do the things that I was doing, um, which was really cool on their part. But, but why it, were you able to get in? Why were you able to do that? What was the difference? Between them and anybody else? They yeah. were looking for somebody who wasn't a four year graduate. They wanted someone who didn't have any mistakes from other companies. And they okay. Wanted, they wanted fresh meat. Basically. They wanted they, fresh meat. They wanted to be able to. And who was this company? Um, you can't even say, or uh, I could say, but I'd rather not. Gotcha. Just because I got, I got laid off last January and from this company. From this company. Okay, so you've been working there for a long time. I had worked well. I had worked for them for about a year and a couple months, something okay. like that. Um, but in that time, I traversed the state of Texas maybe four times, north, yeah. south, east, west. <laughs> I would take, which is big. That's uh, how long? Oh, yeah. It's like you said. Then you say it's thirteen hours across or something. It's crazy. How... It's something like that. I mean, I know I I would drive. Um, six hours straight to Pecos, which is in West Texas. And there's still another hour or two to get to New Mexico. Is that Pecos Bill? Pecos Bill. Pecos Might Bill? Pecos Bill. I don't know. I Pecos think it's Bill just is, appropriated but... Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Pecos. What does Pecos, what does Pecos mean in Spanish? Pecos. I have no idea. Okay. I should probably know that. Yeah. But I was also in remedial Spanish in yeah, high school. Yeah, you're so. Cuban, right? Yes, I'm Cuban, <laughs> and I was in the dumb Spanish class. The Cuban kid in remedial Spanish. Ah. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like Chong, but he's like... Mexican Americans, they go to night school, take Spanish, and get a B. <laughs> that was me. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Wait, so when you moved down here, you went, you got, you went to college for a few years in order to get this kind of job, and then you got it, and you were no. For, so how does it, what's the story? I I came down here with no reservations. I was just have to do something different. Yeah. Um, it was basically move out or get a job and move out kind of situation. Um, which I understood. I mean, I'm 18. My dad wanted me to make some decisions. Um, you mean he was like, you came down here, moved in with your dad, and he says, No, no, no I moved oh, in my one of my older brothers. But for my dad, you know, growing up and where we grew up and all that kind of stuff, and and what he was trying to teach me was, you know, you get 18, you, you get to make your choices now. Yeah, so yeah. You're not just going to stay at home and hang out here to figure it out. Well, however long that takes. Like, yeah. Come on, you got to get something started. Um, so I came down here and just started working. I was doing photography, I was in retail, I worked for a lumber company driving lumber around and going to job sites, but all while getting my associates. Associates in the environmental thing. Yeah, environmental yeah, yeah. And uh, environmental science and technology. And then once I got that, I started looking into the environmental field. What I was finding is that entry level position, which was doing this thing called phase ones, which you basically walk out, look around a site, could be five acres and you're just checking things off a box no trash oh i saw tires Take gotcha a picture of them okay um it's the first you, phase of cleanup phase one it, it's it's understanding what you are looking at basically what are we phase. dealing with here yeah but uh, it just seems so limiting with all the stuff that i had learned like i wanted to hit the ground running i wanted to be doing the sampling on it so it took me from 2013 until 2019 to actually get into the industry get the actual get job. job okay yeah so you're working yeah. were you we do so you didn't start working for oil companies until uh, you know two, 2019, two yeah. years ago. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, and that's because after you got your associates? Yeah, uh, well, it was once I got the associates and looking for those jobs again, it was like years and years. I was always on job boards and stuff, just trying to find the position that I was looking for, basically. Um, because I grew up uh, more on the side of blue collar with the handyman side of things, like my dad's really handy, taught me a lot of stuff growing okay. up. Those were a lot of my first jobs. So my real career path was skilled trades. Okay, yeah. Carpentry. What, carpentry, um, being a mechanic, anything with my hands. Yeah. I can I can get in and I can work on. So that's kind of the direction I was heading. I ended up starting a company doing it. And the environmental thing kind of took a back seat. And I started actually seasonally doing my carpentry work. And during the summers, started to teach wake surfing, wakeboarding, and doing all this oh, kind of yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Just so I could have a fun summer, you know, and then work all winter inside, you know, which is backbreaking work and, you know, you're always sore to being on a lake all day, you know. And I just kind of had to wake up one morning and I was like, what am I doing? Um, I got all these different irons in the fire, but nothing's really a direction forward. It's yeah. just stuff to do. Yeah, yeah. So I just happened to type in, you know, environmental, um, environmental jobs or whatever on Craigslist of all places and boom, that company popped up and the job and the thing. And I applied and it was like a week later and I was, I had a company truck and cool, a doing whole thing. thing. Like all of a sudden I now had a big boy job. Yeah. You know? that well, was then was good weird. money? It was, it was all right money. Okay. I mean, the way I always look at at all jobs is you got your salary, but then you have your benefits and you got to weigh that based on what you have now. And what I had before was I didn't have benefits. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have paid vacation or this or that. So that plus my salary. Really, it wasn't steady. Maybe you get a good carpentry job, some good money. You get a good thing here, some right. good money. Then there's like uh, periods where you're not making good money. Right. It was like basically chunk and store a whole bunch of cash during the summer, teaching kids how to wake surf, wakeboard because there's tips involved in that and the money was better. And then you know, carpentry jobs all winter. So down here, you're not limited to just inside, like up north. So I could do fence jobs, I could do this, I could yeah. do that. So you get big jobs. And uh, we ended up doing a restaurant. We did all of their tables and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Sanded them and refinished them. And, uh, picnic tables, those outdoor, Austin's full of these, these picnic table restaurants. Fully service picnic table yeah, restaurants. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's basically what what I was doing and, and was just trying to collect that because that was a big boost. They would, you know, I'd get a check beforehand that was like five huh? grand. I was like, holy cow, <laughs> I have five grand. And then it's like, no, that's a down payment on the work you're about to do. Yeah, like right. Having. So that lifestyle was just starting to wear on me. Like, it basically paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Um, but I did that forever. So getting into something new, like going into the environmental field, now it was a... It was a position I could schedule life a little bit differently. And but then now you're out. So then now last year they you got laid off. We got laid off for what reason? Um, so the last couple of years the oil fields and oil industry has been taking a dive basically, and they've been cleaning house in a lot of the different companies. The oil industry has so, been taking a dive. Yeah, interesting, huh? Yeah, you'd never bet on that. So yeah. they're doing they're not doing well. Yeah, I guess not. Which kind of odd, huh? Since gas prices keep going up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, are they, do you know what's going on with that? Are they like getting no, oil elsewhere? It, not Texas, I'm not, Texas oil I'm anymore. not exactly sure why there's an up and down when it comes to that. I mean, I probably, probably should know and do a little more research because it's why I got laid <laughs> off. <laughs> but what I, what I understand is They should have told you why. They should have been like, here's the exactly. chart. The profits are supposed to be this. Here's your salary. Look, we can't I, cover it anymore. Yeah. So it was basically that 
the company that I was working for just couldn't keep me on. There wasn't enough work coming in. There wasn't enough places to send people to go do that. We didn't have enough um, uh, different, you know, permits to write or we did stuff for the state. So there was state work that needed to be done. And, um, and that's good. You want the state money. In. The state money Government is, is the good. real money. That's, yeah, yeah. You know, that's where a lot of their bread and butter is. So when that yeah. stuff starts to dwindle, you know, they decided to shore up, which for them it was like the first time they'd ever laid somebody off for not having any money. So it was kind of odd because when I was hired like, on, yeah, it was, we're it was oil. Like, we literally get money from the ground. Yeah, so they, we they feel basically like, told me like, you're going to be here forever. Don't worry. Like, yeah. You could sell your car. You're going to have a truck forever. Like it was... It's very surreal. Like that's kind of almost what you want when you go into a position like yeah. that, where they're like, "Don't worry, we, we're going right. to take care of everything." Right. You, you're not going to have to worry about uh, your own payments for this or that ever again. You know, we'll take care of your phone, take care of this, take care of that. And then here I am, like, you're in so odd later, and they're like, "Yeah, so that thing that we said we ne- we've never done and never will do, we're doing it right now." I can't believe an oil company <laughs> would lie to somebody. So, so they're not an oil company. Okay, they're they're, they're just an environmental firm. All right, that, that's that good. Handles that kind of stuff. That's so. a, that that seems like why you're being nice about them is because like they they seem like they got into the business for I don't the environmental have any, any malice towards them like i understand yeah. these you got to make business decisions yeah. and and you got to do that kind of stuff it's disheartening because it was a job that i i saw myself doing for a long time yeah. and, and really getting really good at yeah know, to where you could have your name known by different people in the industry where certain jobs will open up to you and this and that but it, so you don't think you do that anymore you're not going to do environmental stuff anymore uh, I'm looking to do it in a different avenue. Okay. And it might be on a county level, like state and local government type level. Uh, actually, what's odd is that we're sitting in a park where I applied to be the, the supervisor over this region oh, cool. of parks. Yeah, we're on Travis Lake in uh, Hippie. Yeah, Lake Travis, Hippie Hollow Park. Hippie Hollow Park, which is a, it's a nude beach. It's a yes. clothing optional beach, which, yes. and by beach, I mean rocks, but hey, it's not, <laughs> hey, it's not. It's a beach that hasn't been worn down to sand yet. Yeah, okay. Oh, it's a young... I like that. It's a young... young it's a young beach. It's, it's like young, a scrappy yeah, young it's, upstart. It's You're getting in... Yeah, a couple hundred years. This will all be sand, this man. This will all be sand. And you can be like, I knew it when it was just rocks and zebra mussels. When it was a little infant beach. And uh, yeah, rocks, zebra mussels, and uh, naked naked old men. Or and middle-aged men. They look okay. They get middle-aged. The jogging ones are middle-aged. Yeah, a naked... I've never seen a naked jogger before. No, it looked painful. Never hope to again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No. There's certain images I don't. I don't there's a lack see. of support. Uh, yeah. You know, gravity really, really comes to play <laughs> when you're jogging nude. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, okay. So, are you 30 now? <clears throat> I am 30. I'm actually almost 31. Me too, man. Sucks. Yeah. Um, how was turning 30 for you? Uh, actually, it was it was really interesting. Uh, you know, you. <laughs> That's a good way to put what, it. What do I say about turning 30? Like, there's no feeling, and then there's feelings about it? Yeah, you know I agree. Because, I mean? yeah, I, I'm like, I'm smart enough to know that it's just a number, blah, 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 right. blah, blah, blah. Nothing truly is changing. But? But you got that whole psyche thing that kind of kicks in. Yeah, right. I still have, I have an ego, and I had a plan for my life, and yeah. I, I was sort of, I did envision, I had all these things with like, well, when I'm 30, 30 yeah. becomes this far off goal, and all of a sudden, now you're sitting there, and you, you're that. Yeah, and the problem kind of lies with, like, you know, I don't know if you told yourself this, but it was like, when I'm 30, that's when I'm getting my shit together. I'll like, be all set. I, through my yeah. 20s, I can mess around. Exactly. And then you get to your, your like, 30, you're like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I showed up naked to the test. Yeah, this is no, ha, ha, that dream. Beach. 
Yeah, look, this is no longer the, like, for a while, it's like, oh, this is just the preface to the amazing story that will be my life. Yeah. Once I'm 30, then it'll be, like, legendary or whatever. But yeah. uh, in, the, in your 20s, it's like, this is all just lead up. This is, like, the, this is, this is the pregame. It's like, it's like shitty high school foreplay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it is. Then you just like get you're fucked. getting just underneath the bra, and then your hand keeps getting slapped away, and you're like, "Oh man!" And then you hit thirty, and you're like, "Oh wait, no, no, that was all part of it." Whoa, that was wait. all part of it. I, I should have done things. I think there's Damn. a really strong metaphor there. That could be good. You could yeah. write a whole book about that. That your twenty, your twenties are the foreplay. Thirties, <laughs> it's time for penetration. Okay. Uh, okay. How do you see your? Because um, I think one cool thing about being thirty is like, now the twenties are a an era you can look back upon and be like, okay, that was the shape of my 20s. Like for me, mm-hmm. I went to school for the first four years of my 20s. I was going to be a teacher. The 24, I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to do comedy. And then six years of comedy. That's the that's the 20s for me. So how do you see your 20s? Oof. My 20s is like a roller coaster, man. <laughs> I mean, I get, that's such a, uh, a standard response, I guess, to say roller coaster. But Up and down? Yeah. it's It's ins and outs. I guess I could say it's more like, I was in a dark room throwing darts. It's just whatever I could get my teeth into. I really took the the tact in my 20s of uh, a job as a means to an end. Yeah. So I didn't care what I did. Yeah. So you're doing carpentry, handyman, environmental. um, Carpentry, handyman, environmental. Wakeboarding, uh, wake surfing instruction. I want to talk about, because, well, let's, let's, I mean, let's address the elephant in the room. This is, we were supposed to do this podcast on a boat. Let's be honest right now. It was supposed to be on a boat. It was supposed supposed to be a boat cast. It was supposed to be a boat cast. It was supposed to be (laughs) down by the river, on On the river. river. I mean, we're on the river, but, you know, we're on Lake Travis, which is also the river. It's beautiful and gorgeous. But, so the, um, what, yeah, how did you get into the wake surfing? When, When were you doing that? Uh, so I happened upon that because my brother lived down by the lake and every night they would go down to the little, they actually had sand put in, you know, it's, this is Austin and we're out in the ritzier area of Austin. So they had a little beach and everyone would go down, hang out and drink. So being that I was always hanging out with them, we'd go down and we'd hang out with his neighborhood friends and we'd be drinking. Well, I started seeing these people go by and it looked like they were surfing and I was like asking people, what is, what is that? Just to clarify, it's not because it's not wakeboarding. You it's are not wakeboarding. you are surfing on the wake of the boat. So you're using the wake of the boat so as the yes, wave. Technically, there's so there's pieces to that. The wake now boats are equipped wakeboard boats, which used to be it, you'd have ballasts in the back that fill up with water to make them heavy to okay. push the boat down, <clears throat> which would give you a better wake for wakeboarding. Now they put these fins and dampers and all these different little pieces and parts that allow the boat to put, uh, to create a wave. So you need to have the undertow oh, to, to kind of rise the rise the water out. So rather than a wake that normally looks like it's just shooting back from the boat, one side of it will start to curl up and over itself. Only one side? Only okay. one side. So you can only surf one side at a time. Uh, but I saw people doing this and I, you know, we grew up by a lake and it yeah. was water skiing or People wakeboarding. Casnovia Lake. Yeah, Casnovia Lake. And it was, that was it. I didn't know of anything other than that unless you went to the ocean and yeah. then there was skimboarding and surfing and all these different things. Um, so I, one of the guys from the neighborhood was like, hey, you want to come out with me? I said, well, nice. yeah, I'd love to come out and try this. And I grew up skateboarding and all that. So I had an idea and wakeboarding and snowboarding, all that. So I had those skills to go do it and we got out and it's to me it's one of the most liberating things like 
if if I'm gonna do something to de-stress, I'm finding a way to get on the water to go wake surfing. It's that freeing of an experience. Oh my god, I want to do it. Because awesome. you, there's like I was telling you the other day. It's it's simple, but you you got to stop fighting yourself. And yeah, you're like I all, all I would that. teach you would be to just stand there, man. Ooh. Just stand there, dude. Like you're saying, yeah. like people are gonna people like panic and they over adjust. People over adjust, they over correct, and there's a there's a tightness. You know, anything <laughs> you're starting to do, you're you're kind of freaked out. So you're you're wanting to hold on really tight, and you know, I don't know why people decide to tense up their muscles before something bad happens. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's human natural. reaction to everything, but it's it's the exact opposite thing that you need to be able to surf. Yeah, yeah. And I I, I haven't ocean surfed, but I would assume that a lot of the same principles apply, which is you you have to go with the water. You have to be able to feel it yeah. to an extent. So once you get up and you're holding onto a rope, you can get towards the boat and the wave actually has its own energy. Now the boat's technically creating the wave which creates the energy, but by putting your board into the wave in a certain way, you ride right along and you don't need that rope anymore. So you're actually surfing behind the boat. And it's like an, a never ending wave. A never ending wave that can be built up big, it can make be made long, it can be made short. It, okay, so if you were you if you were taking me, you'd drive the boat in, in a way like let's give them an easy wave to start off on. Well, I would set the wave up like I would for basically anybody else, okay. which is like a medium height wave because you want to have the speed, you want to have a, um, the speed coming from, but you only go 10 to 11 miles an hour. So it's it's half as fast as when you're getting pulled wakeboarding. Okay. So the chances of getting hurt or, you know, smacking your head on the water really hard or doing something weird is is almost minim is almost negated. Yeah. It's minimized a lot. Wait, um, so when you when you're uh you need to get up on the rope first like you do with with wakeboarding. Then you pull yourself in. You basically hold on to that rope and you'll get outside the wake like you would wakeboarding or yep. or skiing. And because the wave is there, the rope is kind of holds you just behind where you need to be. So you you kind of just wiggle your body and push the whole thing is body weight. So if you shift your hips forward, you'll come towards the boat. Yeah. And shift your hips back, you go back. So you just kind of shift your hips forward until you get into the sweet spot. And once you're there, you toss the rope back onto the boat and Whoa. you're good to go. Are you using, do you use rope to pull yourself to the front? You can. Okay. I mean, w generally when I'm teaching new people, what I have them do is, you know, get a hold of the rope, but let go with your backhand because you don't want to be turned forward when you're one hand. You know, supposed to be riding. So one hand. And then what I'll do is I'll pull them in with the rope. Oh, cool. The most important thing in learning anything is not having too many steps, not having yeah. too many things to try to remember and, and get all at once. So once you start to feel it, that's the thing. Like everybody that I've ever pulled into that zone where they get, it's almost like going weightless in a car when you go over a hill or come down to the bottom. Yeah. The hill. It's not the same feeling, but it gives you the same kind of reaction, the smile, the the energy that comes from it where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm right there. Yeah, I yeah. feel it. I feel it. And, and you're like, oh, yeah, 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 you're there. Okay, okay. And then you watch them fall back out. You're like, okay, come on. You got to come back in. You pull them back in. Oh, it's right here. It's right here. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I can, yeah, I can see it like being like that kind of state of mind where you can't think about anything else. You need to be thinking about your feet. You're going to need to be in the zone. It requires yeah. you, which is like, that's what makes those things so addicting and exciting is like, you need to be in the moment. That it, it forces you into the moment. Yeah, you you can't be thinking about other stuff. Yeah, yeah. If you're, you know, once you get good at surfing, I'm sure there's people who who out there can can tell the difference. I can tell the difference when I'm out there having fun versus when I'm really stressed out and I just want to get out surfing and I'm trying to do stuff and I'm, I'm trying too hard. And yeah, the, yeah. Kind of the cool part about it is, 
is that you do just get to hang out on the wave. <laughs> and as long as you're paying attention, you can, you know, you go back and forth, start carving, then it's the, the world's your oyster because there's tricks, you can get different types of boards. <clears throat> I mean, it, it becomes a whole other thing. How long can you, can you be, how long can you ride that, ride it? Like, how long can you do it? For? So, I don't know, technically, I mean, I could probably do it for a long time. They just actually had a world record run, which was a, a good buddy of mine, um, this guy Wes, out here on Lake Travis, since it's a lot longer than Lake Austin. I think they did 50-something miles. Um, of wake surfing? Of him just behind the boat, on the wave, no falls, uh, 50 miles at, like I said, 10, 11 miles an hour. Awesome. They may have been going a little faster. I, I don't know all the details to his, his attempt, but I know he's done it two different years and this year he hit it whoa yeah. okay so and then you what how did you start teaching uh that's an interesting story actually so in the neighborhood that i met the guy who took me out for my first time his there there was multiple people in, in a, a boat storage facility and my brother actually got the idea well with all this going on down here and the city growing and all these different things i'm gonna start a wake sport water sports business basically and he was like do you want to be part of it like, I, what do, I don't have any money like <laughs> I can't put in he's like no 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 like be a part of it you can run the tours you can basically run the whole business do all the stuff I'll just take care of the finances nice like, so I'm going to be basically the face do everything for a water sports business but I don't have any of the you know, equity. the downside and yeah, oh, the well, equity of it basically okay so you're seeing that positively where it's like yeah that. no risk there's no risk and I'm getting paid like, good job yeah wow so I did. I started doing that. I was renting jet skis. I was taking people out on the lakes and driving them up and down. I didn't see you being good at that. You're like, "What's up? I'm your guy. Yeah, I'm, the guy. I'm, like, the, I'm your lake guy. What's yeah, going on?" I mean, you know, growing up on Cas Lake, that was the summer vibe. Was if you went to the lake, it was just relax and hang out. You know, you don't have to be doing anything. So I took that tact with what I was doing and ended up uh, taking some people that a local company, Austin Wake Surf, when they were still around. Um, taking them out and and kind of just driving them around and in talking with that guy met his coach and his coach kind of brought me out and I was his secondary on the boat and he introduced me to the guy who I ended up working for for a couple of years doing it and, and you're getting good you're getting a lot of good reps and good uh like you're getting your 10,000 hours in on like just you're doing your own wake surfing so you're very oh, good yeah. at it no. oh yeah yeah I mean I, this is the thing you can you can be the best at it or you can be good at teaching it, is how I see it. You can put in an awful yes. lot of hours to to learn tricks and do that. But for me, it's always been about the teaching part. I like seeing little kids or older people, whoever, have that experience, have that moment. And I'd rather see them just get up and surf for a little while than land the 360 or the air out of the water <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Because those are cool, <laughs> but they're limiting in that, yes, you did that. Now, yeah. now do five more in a row. Yeah. And then what? we're not in a competition it's i'm just out here teaching you to do it yeah so, well it's really i think it's a good there's a there's a skill in teaching things that's different than like like there's people who i knew who were like they're very knowledgeable but they're not good at imparting that knowledge i mean right. like i come from that background of like education the education itself is a skill yeah like it's like just because you know how to write doesn't mean you can teach a kid who can't write how to write I, honestly like if you're good at writing that's almost an that's a pr it's harder to teach someone who's just starting. Right. If you're really good at it, you're like, just move your knees. Like, it's like, like you know what I mean? Like, you, it seems so simple to you. Yeah, and I had a lot of experience with uh, 
young kids wanting to come be coaches and they'd work for the company and they'd be my second on the boat and this and that. Where you can see that. You can see the frustration and like, just bend your knees. Just and, be better at wake surfing. Like, patience. Right. Patience. They're going to get it. You're telling them to bend their knees. They're thinking about the five other things you said before they went out there. Oh my They're God. They're jumbled. So you got to break it down. And, and for me, that comes from my almost, I have a similar background. Where my grandfather was uh, Dean at uh, SUNY ESF. Oh, cool. Architecture. So the way he taught me as a kid, you don't need to be loud and boisterous. If you actually lower your voice a little bit and get down <laughs> on someone's level and explain it to them, they're going to listen because you're speaking result. softly and yeah. you can get things across. So that's my, was my whole tact and is my whole tact to teaching is slow it down, bring it down to their level, one piece at a time. And it's, it's always encouragement, 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 because whether or not they're paying me, I'm, they, they're wanting to learn something from me. So I want them to learn it. I want them yeah. to get there. And there's no sense in getting angry or having them get angry. Cause once someone who's trying to learn something gets frustrated, you got to kind of stop for the day. Oh you're, yeah. You're not, you're not going to get past that <laughs> ooh, that they have in themselves that you created, <laughs> that you get mad at, you know? So in watching that over the years in a lot of different industries, whether it be carpentry or, or, uh, teaching lessons on the water, it's true there's a difference between you know the best at the sport you know you'd want sean white to teach you snowboarding but, but can he teach you how to do a 1080 or is it more like he's like watch this yeah and now no. you just kind of see him spin he's like that's how you do it there's or, no way sean white's even in the top 100 snowboarding teachers in the country there's right. no way and you and and none that i'd want to say like well who is that guy because that guy should be important. We shouldn't we know his name? Like he's the oh, reason man. these guys are there, and those are the little people. And that's that's kind of where I like to lie. Is like yeah. I don't want to be super wealthy, famous, like in front of the cameras. But I'd like to be the guy that those people are like. You help me get there. Thank Actually you. helping people. Yeah. Well, I, that's a, a huge problem with like our society is that like we don't care about teachers or anybody who's helping. We care about the glory and the. You know, I mean, what can you? It's the American individualism and that right. kind of like that thing. And uh, like that's one of the things that one of the reasons I don't want to teach is like the best teacher doesn't make any more than the worst teacher. I mean, like right. they make pretty much the same money. <laughs> like, like the, where's the ambition? Like, how, what makes you want to be good if uh, there's no incentive? Exactly. Exactly. So wait, um, are you still able to? Are you still doing that as a job, teaching? I, I take lessons from time to time. Right now, I'm, I'm going to be you getting give back lessons, into it. You mean, yeah. You're uh, like, yeah. You take clients for wake surfing lessons. Yeah. Wake surfing, wakeboarding. Again, I still do the occasional tour of the lake because people want to see, you know, certain homes on Lake Austin or so that. That is the thing. That that's a great that's a great Casnovia Lake uh, uh, activity. It's like what? let's go walk around. No, go right ahead. Let's go. Well, let's like drive around and see some. Uh, Amazing uh, houses, you know, yeah, like a little bit of Lake, and we're gonna see yeah. the mansions. Um, <laughs> I mean, now there's there are places on Lake Austin where there there are houses of people that you'd want to know. Now Joe Rogan's on Lake Austin. Is he really? Yep. Yeah. Why um, wouldn't you be on the lake? Michael Dell is out on Lake Austin. Sandra Bullock used to live out here. Matthew McConaughey. So there were like places All that right. I'd have to know where they were because people were like, "Where's McConaughey's house?" <laughs> Well, right there. Look at it. You can see his balcony. That's about it. Get off my lawn there. Get on down. Get out. Get out. Hey. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, folks. Get I on just out read here. his book and I'm obsessed right now. You just brought him up and I'm like, oh man, Green Lights. Green Lights is uh, this memoir. His brother's name is Rooster. Yeah. Hey, Rooster. I mean, like, just uh, just a wealth of. Uh, I mean, like, I'm obsessed with him right at this Have point. Have you seen uh, the uh, interview he did where he explains how his father got them their first mini bike? Motorcycle? No. Oh yes, a pissing contest. Yes, not not just any pissing contest. 
pissing over a man's head contest. <laughs> I forgot that's, this. That's next level. Oh my god. Okay, let's just tell it. I love this story so, so much. So McConaughey's dad is a drunk, obviously. He's getting drunk in a barn somewhere. Yep. And he goes, and they're having a pissing contest. Like how high they can piss on a wall, right? Yeah. And he's like, I bet. Uh, and, then, and then he's like, my son could uh, take a piss over your head. And they go, Hell, he can't. I'll bet you that uh, mini bike out in your. Yep. And, he, and, and he's like, and, and my, my dad knew he didn't have the money for that mini bike, so it's gonna have to be this or nothing yeah, for it's Christmas. Yeah, little brother. And he ended up like driving an hour back yeah. to his house in the middle of the night. Yeah, so his kid's not like there. Six year old. Yeah, he's yeah. Not so the kid there. is not there. The kid is an hour away. So he goes. It's like and it's three in the morning, and he goes, "All right, boys, hold on. I'll be back in two hours." And uh, he yep. drives an hour back. He gets his son up out of bed. Um, he's like, "Well, yeah, I'll get up. Let me just go to the bathroom first. And he goes, "No, no, 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 no. <laughs> wait." We're gonna need that, huh? And he's like, what, thirteen? Or I don't know. He's like, he's like, he was, uh, some were young. It was young enough to be like, why are you waking this kid up at three in the morning to go pee over someone? Doesn't head? sound like a great father, but the no. way he spins it is like legendary. And yeah. then he's and he gives him two beers, and he's like, you can't go to the bathroom. Uh, like as they're driving, he's giving him all these liquids, <laughs> and he and he takes him to the barn or whatever. The guys are still up, which is like they're insane. McConaughey's dad is insane. Like. Mcconnie doesn't address this at any point, but it's like everyone involved in this story is absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. This is not crazy, who but, you want to be. But I will tell you, that is Texas. <laughs> that is Texas. <laughs> a lot of the guys I've I've grown to know and, and become very fond of. This is the kind of stuff that this is the kind get of stuff they here. do. So he brings his son back. He's full. Of, he's he's all full of uh, you know Lone Stars or whatever the hell he gave him, and yeah. then he pisses. Lo and behold, he pisses over the guy's right head. Over the guy's head. I hope they put a mark on the wall. They didn't have the guy actually standing on the wall. But. Uh, you know, it's Texas, so the guy was probably standing right there. <laughs> but I can imagine. Because you got to have the trickle down effect of you lost, and then here's the spray. You know. <laughs> well, even if you, I mean, that would be tough if you, uh, if he goes, I told you your your son couldn't piss over my head. All he did was pee all over my entire body. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of missed, man. <laughs> That's pretty funny to be the guy who's I'm victorious, but I'm covered in piss. Like I yeah. won the bet, but I'm covered in piss. It's like you could tell him that I am it is raining and I am pissing on your leg at the same time <laughs> you're okay with it though hey, it was raining don't have your kid piss on my face and tell me it's raining buddy hey uh, hey guy but the bottom line is yeah, Anthony McConaughey is an insane person and he comes from insane people and um yeah. like I was listening to that audiobook and I go is there no, this is a memoir right so like McConaughey is looking back on this as a father himself and it, he just he passes no judgment he goes and that's the day Rooster became a man <laughs> He just like says like okay, uh, that's just what we did. I'm like you're not gonna question that at all, Matthew. Like you're not gonna be like and now as a father, as upon reflection, I think that was actually poor parenting. No, no yeah. judgment, which I respect, I guess. I, sure. I think that's an interesting thing, and I've I've come across that in being in, you know, an uncle a couple times over and talking with my brother as situations arose, and going like wait 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 wait. I'm not completely clueless to who you were and what you did. So why are you so upset? Like, what's going yeah. on? Yeah. Wait, how old are, the, how old are these uh, nibblings, nephews, nieces? What do you got? Uh, let's see. I got one that's two, one that was just born in October. Okay. One that's 17, almost 18. That's and interesting. That's 12. Okay, yeah. So some of them are like old enough. So they, that's what you're referring to. It's like some of them are old enough. They're making mistakes. Oh, the old enough one, I love him to death. He's my little Jagger. He's an amazing little kid. The part that gets me is that he is now and sees himself as an adult. He's yeah. 18. Yeah. And he came to me proudly to say, I voted for Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, oh, no. Now we're to the point where I have things to dislike. Yeah. Like, 
you're not just the sweet little kid with your parents' stuff shammed into your head. Yeah. Like, you're creating your own things. Like, right. Wow. On the one hand, you're your person. You're your own person, and that's cool. On the other hand, you're your own person, and that absolutely sucks. Or like that, yeah. you're you're wrong. You're, yeah. You know? <laughs> so you got to look at it from, you know, a lot of different perspectives. That's what I've found in, in life with all these type of situations. Like, it's perspective, and perspective can either take you to the bottom or help you get out of whatever you're in or make that day yeah. better. You seem like you have a lot of perspective. How do you, do. How, how is that, how do you think that's developed over these, over these, uh, uh, 12 years since I've, uh, since we last spoke? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, I, I don't know how I could say really how it's the perspectives changed growing up being told that you're an old soul over and over and again. Oh, interesting. It's kind of weird because you then start to, at least for me, I started to feel like I was older. Like yeah. I was older than other people. I had, my ideas were more formed somehow. Which why were you know, why nonsense. were the people telling you you're an old soul? Um, I think it's just the way I was raised. It was to be able to talk to adults or old people, like, yeah, like yeah. hold a conversation. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just like the little kid would be like, can I have some soda? And right, you'd be away. kind of the Eddie, like, you know, my mom calls him Eddie Haskell because Eddie Haskell was a be- little beaver's uh, yeah, 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 exactly. friend. And he'd be like, you look great today, Mrs. Cleaver. And she'd be like, oh, thank you, Eddie. You know, Exactly. Like, I was friends with the moms and the grandmothers more than I was with any of the people I grew up with. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so that's like the weird per- kind of perspective there where I knew a lot about the people I was growing up with, but I didn't know it from them. You knew it from the yeah. I knew it from like the gossip of your mom drinking with my mom, or like, like my grandfather dated people's grandmothers and stuff. So it was just like you'd hear things, and what am I gonna do with that? You it's know, a small town. It's not like I can just forget these things. Now here I am in a situation with that person, and I'm like, oh yeah, you're great. Yeah. I got this on you. But in getting down here, I mean, dude, I I lived the uh, I was trying to live the American dream to start, and actually a piece of all of this stuff that I left out was that I was. Uh, Engaged at one point. Okay. All right. Well, we got something to get into there. Um, and that changed my perspective huge, really. That was kind of the, the big thing that, oh, that changed my life was I finally saw, one, the sham to the American dream. Bingo. took me a while. Uh, and then that the willingness to do things for others, especially your family. Yeah. Get a job. Go to, go to school, get a job, get married, have 2.5 kids. It wasn't really said to us that way, but it was kind of implied that you can have that and that's right there and that's like a very attainable thing. You could live comfortably and that's what I was after. Like, yeah. okay, I want to have that. I loved growing up in Kaz. I loved, um, you know, I, I, wanted, I want to be a dad. I want to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I was like, why not focus my life on that? And there, there was no perspective in that other than, hey, I can attain this American dream thing yeah, yeah. with the kids. And as it all fell apart, I was like, whoa, you, you actually do get to choose. Oh, yeah. You actually do get uh, to, to live a life in whatever way you want. It yeah. Was, it's kind of weird to realize that you didn't know that. I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, like for me, it was, like I was 24 and I was like, oh, I can do like, this is all up to me. No one is like, no one actually really super cares. Even yeah. your parents, like my parents have four kids, like even like mm-hmm. their specific attentions 
uh, for about about what what they want my life to be is only it's still divided by four. You know what I mean? Right. Like and you only get care. it for that conversation. Like that one phone call is where you get the worry, and then it's <laughs> like the next day is like, hey, how are you doing? Hope all is well. You're like, wait, what? It's yeah, right. <laughs> no, I'm freaking out. <laughs> you have to, yeah, you have to, you answer your parents once a week, or like you know on Thanksgiving and Christmas, and then the rest of the year, the rest of that day, it's you're answering to yourself. You have to do it. You have to yeah. deal. You have to do your own thing. Okay. And I was realizing I was answering to myself, but through the things that had been said before with like, their values with their values with their idea of this is how life should be and go yeah yeah okay so this is great okay so with that that's the that's the theme that's that's where we're set it we're setting up there so where does the fiance come into play the a year after i got here 19 i, I was 19 years old i you know fell in love sure uh we dated for three months she broke it off there was uh, things that happened in between that little time period, and when we started talking again, I was like, "Listen, I'm all in," which is just crazy to think at 19 that I'm looking at this girl like, "I'm yep. all in." Yep, yep. Well, I told her I was all in, and <laughs> so it was like a couple weeks of dancing around each other, and we decided, like, "Okay, we're gonna be all in. We're gonna do this." And you know, I worked really hard. Um, she ended up going to get her bachelor's okay. and all that kind of stuff, and. You know, I think time just took its toll on a young relationship that wasn't ready for really what that is. Okay. How, how long? time together. How long? Six years. Oh, okay. So, okay. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. so this is a long, long story. Time. Long time together. Some good years, some good times, some 20s things happening. Oh, yeah. I mean, going to ACL Fest here in Austin multiple years, which is just three days of Austin craziness. City Limits. Austin City Limits. Yeah. Yep. The music festival. Um, vacations across the country, see nice. different people, do nice. different things. You know, it was it was a different life. It's kind of what weird did, to say that. Was now. she going to school? Oh yeah. I mean, like, well, every it's so funny. Like every so girlfriend, you're about your twenties. You know? Every girlfriend is like a is a is a little life. It's like, oh yeah, that was that that was that uh, Terrence. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you kind of yep. like you you get into it, and then you just, and then when you're out, you're like, oh shit, back to the drawing board. Yeah. Um. All right. What did the, she was going to school the time during that time you were dating? Yep. How'd you, you meet her? Uh, in class. Oh, wait, so you're getting your associates? I'm getting my associates. So we were both at ACC to start, and we both graduated, and she immediately transferred over to Concordia University, which is right up the road from ACC here in Austin, and started going to school there. So I was basically working as much as I could to try to supplement her going to school and work. And Did you live together? Things like that. Yes, from very early on. So, I mean, we were basically solidified as we're the couple, we're going to be a couple, and, yeah. and the family was all behind it, and everyone was doing their things, and we started planning a wedding, and that's where everything kind of fell apart, was in starting to plan the wedding. I, I brought her home for the last Christmas that I got to have in my, my childhood home before my parents ended up selling and moving down here. When was that? Ooh. You brought her home to Kaz and Novia. I want to say that was 2016. Gotcha. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um do that whole thing and then by the time we got back it was things were already on the rocks there was you know accusations back and forth as to what was going on and what cheating and all, uh yeah, yeah there was there was people guessing at, at things <laughs> i like a feel yeah if you're true but i like what they, you describe relationships like you know people were angry and it's like wait which people was it you or her there's only two people involved you're like people were doing things people yeah. were saying things uh, people honestly, were having sex with people yeah honestly what how i look at it is it, Two people fell out of love and were trying to keep it together thinking that maybe it would come back. For some reason. Yeah, yeah. 
Right. With with no actual inputs to fixing the problem, because that's what you do in your 20s. You just assume <laughs> that things are going to get better. It'll fix itself, yeah. With nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, yeah, that was kind of as I started my company, it was in the first year. And uh, so... Your company really was like, it's like a contracting it was, carpentry uh, It was called Ryman and Ryman Handiworks. Yeah, we, uh, Who's we the did other anything guy? and everything. Who's the other Ryman? It was my pops. Oh, nice. Yeah, Your dad. Yeah, we went okay. into business together. Um, so... The odd part of that was, and where the perspective shift kind of happened was, I broke everything off of there and realized I can't go home, so I'm going to go to my shop, which was a warehouse. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So I showed up there, and my dad's there, and I'm like, great. It's the last thing. Like, I'm going to now explain this right here. There's all these emotions and things going on. Yeah. And it kind of sunk in as he left that, wow, like, I don't have the finance. I just started a company. I don't have the finances to get my own place. I can't do this. I can't do that. And then, oh. So... I ended up living in that warehouse for two years. No two shower. years? Two years. No shower. No shower. Uh, There's big sinks. <laughs> it, was, you know, it was like an it had office in the front. Yeah. So, and warehouse in the back. So, I took one of the offices and I converted it into a bedroom. But we, when the owner of the property would come through or things would happen, we'd be like, oh, no, it's... Uh, it's uh, a mock-up of the stuff we're selling, or we, there's nice, like always nice, an excuse, nice. or it's like a break room or whatever. Because you have a bed. Because there's there. like a bed and a TV and a, <laughs> an armoire full of clothing and like dirty clothes and a hamper and <laughs> toothbrushes next to things, but all things that would be at one of these places because people do work late hours. Exactly. And, and yeah. These projects in these warehouses. So, yeah, it was two years there, and in that time, I really realized like. It is, it, it is all on you. You got to make your decisions and you got to live with them and you got to figure out how to move on to the next point. And it's, it's finally realizing you turn the spotlight on yourself and you can't always look outward. Yeah, there, there are outside things that affect your life and affect situations, but the majority of it comes from you. So if you can't realize that, if you can't see that perspective where you had to kind of slap yourself in the face and be like, wow, what did you do? Why yeah. did you do that? Yeah, yeah. Then I don't, I, for me, I don't see growth. I don't see how you can grow if you're not willing to say, I did make these mistakes and I, ooh, they were bad and this is why my life's where it's at. How old were you at that point when you were living in the warehouse? Uh, 28, yeah, that's 27, tough. 27, that's 28. Yeah. yeah, it was tough. And then, you know, you bring in the other aspect of that. I'm now single. I want to have girls over. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I live in a warehouse. Yeah. You so, can spin that. You can oh, be I like, did. it's kind of cool. <laughs> I did. Do you think I did not spin that? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, you have the charm to make <laughs> that cool. Game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, okay. I'm a business owner. I work really yeah. hard. I don't have time to go. I'm going to be at my office if you want to stop by. Yeah, yeah. It's a Come work see my live stuff. space. Oh, I happen to have this space. You want to watch a movie? We can just hang watch out. Watch a movie a while. while we're here at the office. Uh, here, look at this cool saw I got. Look yeah. at this. I can do anything. Check out these tables I'm working on. Yeah, they yeah. cool? Yeah. All right, I you see. Want to play with paint? <laughs> and there's the bedroom. Yeah, it's part of the yeah, it's part of the whole experience here. Is I also sleep here. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Good. So you spun it. You got an, you have the attitude that you can you can do it. But the no shower is uh, that's, that's a difficult. tough one. Yep. That was a lot of finding. Uh, well, I have to call my brothers and be like, hey, come take a shower. Can I come do laundry? Sure, sure. Um, my great aunt, while she was still alive. Um, had her house where my parents now live and that was farther away so it was like more to go over there to do that kind of stuff yeah. and you know in that in that time period you're dealing with you know depression and new life and all these different crazy things yeah. so it was like 
you know, two weeks and I got a mountain of dirty clothes. I'm like, I better go do laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it was a lot of tickering stuff together. And what I realized is you can live with an awful lot less and we should be grateful for more of the stuff that we do have, like a shower. Like a hot shower is, is such a beautiful thing. Oh yeah. And being able to, you know, brush your teeth or if you want to style your hair, style your hair, like to have a space to do certain things. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, there's times in my life and I'm sure with yours where you've, uh, I've been able to live off of 20 bucks for a month. You just, you you scrimp and you, you, you know, got to keep fighting for the next thing. But that's the, to me, yeah, it gets depressing and there's, there's moments that are really hard, but at the same time you got to look back at it and laugh and just be like, Oh yeah, I know. I've done a lot of weird, (laughs) interesting stuff in my life and I'm only 30. Like there's a lot of life left for me to do even more weird off the wall yeah stuff. like i spent three or four years just working two days a week i would just work just brunch saturday and sunday and i would do comedy all week and like i would be broke but i'm like but i'm time rich i've got oh, so yeah. much time dude yeah i could like i'm like thinking up ideas doing them i can i can practice so much like um and i have to just get through two days of brunch and then i'm back five days i felt like a professional comedian mm-hmm. um yeah you're just working with less <laughs> living out of the not taking showers. This is the, the, a theme well, for both I should of say our... taking showers regularly. Like I wasn't like a complete a luxury. Uh, thing, but it was it was one of those things. You got I had to put my pride aside every time I needed to take a shower. Yeah. And ask somebody, can I use their shower? But you got a sick. I mean, you know, you know, that's what, the number one question of living in a van is where do you shower? And I'm just like, it's fine. Like it'll be fine. I've got friends. I shower. I shower at friends' places. I. Uh, you know what? You know, you just wash yourself. I like. I'm yeah. like. I always clean myself. I don't always take a shower, but hey, I'm always a clean. hobo shower is still a shower. It's still a Slap shower. Some water on. Yeah. It, it it gets the funk away a little bit. I would take the Pepsi challenge against me versus a guy who just showered. You'd be like, who who's the one who didn't shower? Exactly. Exactly. You couldn't tell. Once so. you know what you're doing, it is. It is almost equal. Exactly. Oh, you yeah. You just don't get the long time to sit and, you know, relax in the heat and whatever. You just right. you get you get the dirt off. You get on with your life. <laughs> you have to have your shower ideas somewhere else. You have to, it's like hard. It's good yeah. to have the place to think in the shower. That's what's great about the shower now. It's like this is such a luxury. I'm like loving it. Just because you're, you're bored. You take a shower. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, that's where, where I'm at now in this last year. Like I looked for work for the first two months. Ended up with my buddy, actually, the guy who took me out to do wake surfing in the first place. I've been friends with him for years. He had opened up a barbecue trailer and was like, come work for me. I oh, need yeah. another guy now. So I started working for him, but it's 4 o'clock to close every day, so I'm time rich. Like, I have all day to do Got whatever day. I want. And I love And we're here on a Monday during the afternoon, and I absolutely love the Mondays off lifestyle. Yeah. And you have that now, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it was kind of like that when I was running my own business, but... There was more on the line for me at that point. You know, it's a whole reputation thing that was out there. And you can't stop working, though. I mean, if you own no. your own business, you're always working, right? That that's what it was. It was twenty four seven. And for me, it just that's why I started implementing the summertime kind of thing. Yeah, it was too much. It just it became. Uh, I, I don't want to work to live. I want to live, and I want to be able to work to 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 have the things I need. But I don't want it to be the majority of my life. Yeah, how is it supposed to go? Wait, you don't want to. Yeah, you don't, you want to, you work, but no, no, you work to live, you don't live to work, right? Like, right, right, that's sounds, the saying. It's hard to have it backwards. But it's a weird saying as it is because it, it, it implies that there should be one where you do just work. Like, <laughs> I, I don't like the idea that really from the time we're born, unless you're a trust fund kid or there's a lot of money, yeah. at a certain point you have to get a job and you have to be working to have a life. I was yeah. thinking, I was pondering this the other day as I was smoking a giant if I just wanted to exist 
just sit here forever. Yeah. Never do anything ever again. Just exist. It cost me $40,000. Uh, because you got your debts, you have all these things you got to pay off. Like, know. you can't just walk away from it all and go, I'm just going to sit here and grow a beard. Like, it's literally impossible just to stop existing once you start. Costs about, I, I would get that. I mean, for me, I'm like, I think I could do it for 25. Well, no, 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 no. I'm talking about, so I got, you know, debts and stuff like that from the life that I've lived. So, yep. if, you, if you're at 18 and you decide to do that, Technically, I guess you could. You just have to find someone to let you live somewhere for free and give yeah. you free food and stuff Maybe like that. Maybe something, which is, yeah. These things are possible. There's a guy that, um, his name's Gary Davis. He wrote a book called, um, oh, I'm going to forget it now. My Country is the World. Woo! And he actually started the... Great title. Um, the One World Passport, which is a passport you get that allows you into any country. Basically, you're not affiliated with any country. You're a world citizen. He started that? What he do you mean? How did this. he do that? Very long story, a book that I really gotcha. suggest you read My the world. Um, by Gary Davis. A uh, very interesting old man who used to live in Burlington. And I believe for a time, his actual residence, like the half acre wherever he lived, wasn't actually a part of the United States. Oh, he like declared himself... Uh Wow. Yeah, like his own is his own territory. His Sounds own like thing. a lot of paperwork, probably. So, but it all—it's this really long story about how he was a World War II pilot, was really upset with all the damage and stuff that he caused after he went back to see Berlin. Yeah, and immediately gets rid of his American passport in France, and they're like, "Well, you've given it up, but now we can't let you out of here because you're no longer a citizen to anywhere. So, how do we let you into our country?" Yeah, but he's now in the, you know, an embassy, but. Technically, he can't go anywhere. So there's this like this long story of his life, but the most beautiful part is that he found, if you're a wanderer, you're a traveler, you're gonna be taken care of. You're gonna be fine. I like you that. don't need all of this stuff. He lived between countries in, uh, it's not a demilitarized zone, like an international zone between countries, Whoa. which are only so wide between yeah. countries. <laughs> but he actually like builds a cabin and has a wood stove, and the kids from both countries come to see him, and the guards know him. But he can't leave that zone because he doesn't have papers to get into either oh, of these countries. Insane. But he lived this life, and you know, there's parts of where he's in India where he realized if you're just walking along, people will eventually ask you what's going on or what's your story, or what's this and that. Yeah, yeah. And good people will give you what you need. But yeah. what you need, and, and that's the big thing. It's a need. It's not a want. And those, those are the things I always balance because what I need is to be safe, dry, warm. Have some food, but safe, right. dry, warm. Other than that, everything else is a want. Yeah. You want a boat. You want a wakeboarding boat. Sure. I want to yeah. learn how to, to wake surf. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> we all can't have what we want. We can't want. have what we you want. Can't you can't get what you want. And you taught me that lesson today when you said <laughs> the boat is broken and we can't do the wakeboarding, wake surfing thing. That's right. Um, which, you know. But that's a that's 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 an incredible lesson. But look that's what we great. have. Look what we have. Look We're we at have. a naked beach. I'm looking at a guy standing on a boat, naked as the day he was born. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen the naked woman yet. Nope. I think she's just hiding out in the back. Yeah. Of the that's sure. probably for the best. No you know, problem. There's a lot of looky loos on this. Uh, <laughs> that's this, yeah. This uh, young beach. It's not what I came on. here for. To, uh, I didn't come to Austin to look at naked ladies on a beach. Um, <laughs> I just didn't. Um, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's your uh, tell me about Austin. I mean, I, I absolutely love it here. It's exceeded my expectations in every possible way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. How do you feel about it now? You've been living here for 12 years. I, I have love-hate with Austin because I'm a small-town guy mm -hmm. and realized very quickly that I'm a small-town guy once I moved here. And the city's grown exponentially and it's kind of got out of control where... You've seen it grow. And non yeah. I've seen it grow massively. 
Um, you know, traffic on the highways used to be normal traffic hours, 4.30 to 7.30. Yeah. Rush hour. Well, here it's like 2.30 to 8.30. <laughs> you know, and it just started, like the number just started getting pushed back. So then if you live outside the city, you have less incentive to go into the city. Because yep. you're like, oh man, that's 45 minutes of traffic just to do what I want to do. Um, sounds all that. It's, it's an amazing place to live. You have the hill country to come out with the water and the lakes, but you can go downtown to one of the most culturally interesting cities I've been in. Totally in the agree. States. Totally I mean, agree. They, you know, keep Austin weird is a real, th- wow. Are they really playing that right now? <laughs> you can't hear it. It's fine. Yeah. They're playing some, it sounds like uh, music you'd hear when you're looking at a naked lady. Yes. Why not? Sexy lady. Uh, um, yeah, so... It, are we in the Hill Country now? Is this where we call, we're out in Travis Lake? It, yeah, Lake Travis area is Hill Country. It's the beginning of the Hill Country. It goes on it keeps for going. many miles. Okay, yeah. so, yeah, so yeah, Austin, culturally significant, a lot going on. Yeah, it's... For me, it became really cool. Uh, it was really cool when I was young because I could go downtown. East Austin was still the cultural hub. It hadn't... The gentrification really hadn't started to the level that it's at now. Yeah. Um, so the murals that were on the street corners or, uh, and you could go downtown when I first got here and there was a gentleman by the name of Leslie and he was, uh, the local homeless guy, <laughs> but, but he was a fig, a fixture in the okay, city. Okay. Wow. He was almost like the, uh, the, was it the naked cowboy or the, yeah, yeah. The guy naked in cowboy city? in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that, except he was a transient, uh, believe cross dresser. Okay. I don't want to get that wrong. If it's yeah, transgender yeah. or something like that in between. He wore different clothes um, or something. He wore. Yes, he was just very eccentric. Was very. Uh, he would come up and give people hugs. People wanted to take pictures with him, and he smelled like a sewer. But you were <laughs> like, "Yo, Leslie!" Leslie, that is so crazy because now there is thousands of homeless in Austin. Yes, like thousands, tent yeah. cities. The problem mm-hmm. is huge. It's so crazy. I was saying last night. I was like, you know. I was like, some of these guys should go, you should go like a small town and you could be like the homeless guy. It's like being yeah. a comedian. It's like, you know, you come <laughs> right. here, come the here. The market's saturated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> go, be, go be a big fish in a small homeless pond. You know, you don't need to be the, <laughs> you don't need to be like one in a million here. Um, yeah, it, that, that has been a, uh, something that has cropped up over the last couple of years. I find the ingenuity of some of these guys is amazing because yeah. they took down the no camping ban. I believe it was last year at some point. And the structures that I've seen are yeah. just fantastic. I know, I know. I mean, it's what, what you can do with old shopping carts, tarps, cardboard boxes oh, and yeah. stuff. Uh, couches, old couches yeah, that are hanging out. I actually saw a place that was set up by my old office that was set up like like you were walking into their living room, but it's outside the <laughs> living room. So there was a tent in the corner, a couch, there was an area rug, there was two <laughs> filing cabinets and a lamp. And the guy had a broom and was sweeping the rug. <laughs> like, he was, like, cleaning up his area. Like, I got it all set up. And, it, you know, that's it's such a human thing to... You, he has a space now. You right. Be clean. You got to tidy it up. It didn't matter that it was outside or this or that. That's yeah. his lot. That's where he's at or where that person's at. And, you know, they, they're making the best of it with nothing. Yeah, I respect that. I mean, like, and I like that attitude that you have of it where it's like, isn't that amazing? As opposed to like, uh, you know, that guy's a scumbag or whatever. Yeah, I um, hear a lot of those arguments. Like, how, how do we cover it up? How do we put a, like, can we put sheets up or yeah. like things to, you know, so they can live behind them so we don't have to see them? And I'm like, 
But do you see, you say, don't have to see them? Like, it's an inanimate yeah. object that you can just forget? Like, yeah, you just want to throw a cover over it. It's a problem that needs a solution, and there isn't really a good one yet. Yeah. You know, Austin uh, I'd say give them houses. Give them places to see, live. See, that's what Austin did. They started building tiny homes and cool. had a whole little planned community. I, I don't really know what happened with it, but I wish something more like that. Like, I yeah. look in Europe, they have uh, places for homeless people to go sleep at night. There yeah. are sculptures in every city. But it opens up, and you can go inside, and you can lay down. Oh, cool, nice. But it's like a cool fixture in the city. It looks cool, and it's but it's you know also there to help out these people who right, are in this right. position. Because I'm not of the belief that every single homeless person's a drug addict yeah, or uh, right. this or that. Like, can't be true. There's a lot of things that make people homeless, and you know, right. and I know drug, I don't, I know drug alcohol addicts too, and I, like oh, I yeah. feel bad for them. So it's like I just like you know like said that that compassion should be to every single person. Well, if you've ever lived on that twenty dollar a month thing, you know how close you feel to oh, that, yeah. and and that's such a real thing. You oh know, yeah, that, that everything is fragile, and and because of the way our system's set up, you can make a couple of mistakes and they don't have to be all that big and you can be out there oh, trying yeah. to tell people your story going no no no, no really I'm not just all, like a homeless bum I'm, I'm this and they're going nah man here's your 15 cents go yeah, away yeah I need $20 I just need 20 bucks you know right. like uh, yeah <laughs> that's so funny you saw you, you saw Austin go from a one homeless guy town to a 1,000 homeless person town yeah it really got strange you want to stay here for a while you think Austin I mean, we can Oh, stay <laughs> you mean this location? I was no, no, say no. This location. <laughs> uh, Austin, Texas. Austin, I'm I'm kind of looking at a move. Oh yeah, to where? To be honest, I want to get back to where there's snow. Oh my God, it's so funny. We'll I just switch lives. Snow. You can go back to you can go back to Chicago, New York, or I'm I'm over it. Yeah. This winter, this it, this is January. I'm sitting on a lake. You know what I mean? Like can't beat it. You want to snowboard? I want to yeah get back into some snowboarding. I never really did the backcountry thing. And that was something that when we were growing up was so appealing was just like backcountry skiing. Yeah, like yeah. backpack out somewhere. So you're kind of doing hiking and camping and all this at the same time, and then you get to just like bomb the hill back down to where you're going. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, uh, it's like an, it's an adventure I haven't had. It's great for a week. Come back down to Austin. <laughs> <laughs> you're very right in that. These are all things that are that are like that. I don't know. I guess. Uh, you make some valid points as to uh, not going back to the snow. I mean, shoveling and all that isn't all that exciting. Shoveling. And, like, you wake up and it's another gray day in which the air outside is painful. The air hurts. Mm. The air hurts. Yes, I do Windy. forget about that. Whenever yeah. kind of frosts up as you're breathing. True. I cannot believe how green the grass is. Grass is always greener. I cannot believe I'm coming from... My parents texted me. They had to, there's, there's a blizzard in Casanova yesterday. Mm-hmm. They got 9, 10 inches. Um... They're, they're so jealous of me, and I'm sitting here, you want to go back to the snow? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Blasphemy. Well, but, th- but see, then you have the other side of this. Right now, you're enjoying what month? January. Yeah. I know. enjoying January here. <laughs> Man, you start the beginning of summer is beautiful as it starts yeah. to get really hot. And even into July, you're almost like, you know what? It's it's hot, but I'm, I'm loving this. Yeah, yeah. to do all the time. Tank tops. It's, it's the part of all of that where you're... You wake up, go outside, and you need another shower because you're already sweating. You're just done. It's the driving home in your car, and it's it's literally so hot in your car, you could die if you didn't roll the windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cooking you. more than two minutes in there. It's cooking you, yeah. It's cooking you a lot. The AC isn't warmed up. You need to get the AC. AC isn't running cold yet. It's still warm. It's warming up, whatever you call it. And then you learn the lesson of you wear long sleeves and long pants. And everyone's like, 
so counterintuitive. It's 100 yeah. degrees outside, but you don't want to burn, but it also keeps in the moisture, keeps in the cool on your skin from yeah. your sweat. So like, there's all these little tacks to take with it that by the time you hit August, which is the hottest part of the year here, yeah, and it's the hottest part of the day at 5 o'clock, you're just so done with sweating. That's so funny. You're so done with going home and the AC unit's been running all day, but or for months on end, and now it's out. And yeah, it's yeah. 87 <laughs> degrees in your apartment, and you go outside, and it's 95, and it's 7:30. Yep. You're like, I just want to cool Something, off. Something, anything, Please. yeah. But that's the same thing in like February, March in Chicago. You're like, I've been through three months of this. Just stop. And then yeah, March, you'll have one enough. pretty day where it's like 55. Everyone wears shorts and they go and they play football. And, the, and then it's like, oh my God, that was so nice. Back to it. More winter through mid-April. And then, yep. then in mid-April, it starts warming up. And that's, then it's just rain and sleet for three we, more so that weeks. that is one thing we don't get down here. If we get rain, like you were probably looking at the forecast. It was supposed to rain for the last couple of days. Yeah. We had fog. Yeah, yeah, some fog. Beautiful. Fog. But it was nice. It was kind of like misting you yeah, as you yeah. walked around. You got a little damp, but it wasn't bad. But we don't get... You know, rain. big huge months of rain or or actually a lot of the uh cold weather i mean you just missed i think our snow day that we yeah had. yeah yeah and that hasn't heard happened about that. in like seven years how many inches like i think it was two two inches yeah two the whole city shuts down everyone <laughs> freaks out goes outside builds a snowman <laughs> young old alike are still mesmerized by the falling snow now i will say after 12 years of being here and the two different snow events that I've been in here, this was the best one. Oh, cool. Where it, it, it came down like that snow flurry that you want, when the, the, like that first one of the year that you see. Classic. And you're like, oh, oh my, oh, the snow's coming. Yeah, we baby. We might not have school tomorrow. <laughs> I had that feeling in my stomach as I started to see it fall because it, the way it's, it started to stick and how it just kept falling, it was real heavy, clumpy, slow falling snow. Which is that, it's that peaceful, serene snowfall that people want to go walk in and stuff like that. Was everything canceled? Everything was canceled. Everything was canceled. I got called by my boss. He was like, yeah, I drove up to the trailer and decided we're closing. Yeah, and it hadn't even started snowing yet. It had just been raining. He was like, yeah, we're just not going to open today. Because probably no one's going to come. No one's going to drive around. That's the thing. It's exactly yeah. it. Everything shuts down. And the only people who are on the road are either northerners or crazy Texan California mix who don't really get how the driving works. Yeah, yeah. So it's just dangerous. Yeah. I mean, and it's not only that. I mean, it's like you guys don't have plows or salt. I mean, like in Syracuse, no, it, it rains two inches. That's a Monday. No big deal. I mean, like right. they have the plow, they plow it, salt it. You're fine. I mean, three, four feet of snow is even like, well, school's delayed for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, wait, what? <laughs> I've been shoveling that whole time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But our school is the king of the two-hour delay. It's like, yeah. yeah, don't worry. We need a two-hour delay, don't, and then we're back to business. But we did have those extra days that no other school had because of where we were. We had some... because we had like one or two extra days that like Chittenango and FM and stuff didn't have. Yeah, Kaz is a little snowier. Yeah, a little snowier in Kaz. Just a little bit higher up. Yeah. A little bit more of that lake effect. Well, there were some days where yeah. it'd be it'd be like you'd it'd be so terrible at our house, and then you go down the hill to Manlius, and it's like, oh, no one even has snow in their car. Yep. Like it's like it's the high country. Yeah. And that's Casnovia weather report. Um, <laughs> One three zero three five. Yeah. Do you have a uh, do you have a do you have a call to action? Do you have anything that you'd like? What would you like people to know, or, or like a you know? I mean, like what would you like someone to do? Who's listening to this? On your advice. Someone to do something. Someone to do on my advice. A call to action. To like Austin or a call to action. A call, yeah, something that they can do. Like now that they've heard this and they've heard your lesson, they've heard uh, your story. Mm. Um, 
what's up next what should what should they what should they take from this conversation interesting uh, <laughs> a, I, I i'm trying out different ways to end the podcast i'm like is this a good should andy, i have him do 60 this minutes with andy Rooney. yeah exactly <laughs> like uh you know people do a speed round or whatever but yeah. um no it's a valid question i would say uh you know if you hear what i've had to say and like my own personal story um keep trying new things and learn new stuff like there isn't you you never really stop learning and if you do stop learning i kind of see that as like you might as well just stop living like yes you, you got to keep consuming to consuming knowledge in whatever form it is yeah yeah and and that's a think just a human thing like if you don't do that i think it makes it harder for you to be more human with other people in in ways like it's a kind of a weird thing to kind of try to round about to but it's it's such an important thing to just keep trying new things i mean i'm a chef right now like i've never had any desire to be a chef in my entire life. barbecue chef delicious but, but i'm good at it yeah you know? i'm good at it you and, are good at it and it is something that uh i can make money doing so yeah What's the place called in Austin? Uh, if they're ever in Austin. If you're ever in Austin, Jim's Smokehouse Barbecue out Dude. by Lake Travis, Mansfield Dam. Incredible pulled pork sandwich. And I was raised on dinosaur barbecue pulled pork yep. sandwiches, and this is way better than that. Yep. And the dinosaur, you call it dinosaur rib. You're like, I threw a dinosaur rib in there. And I was like, we didn't open it up until like that night. We came home like midnight, one, two in the morning. <laughs> yep. And I was like, I was like, Tyler, I'm just going to look at it. I'm not going to have it. And he's like, okay. And I opened it up and I go, I was, it was immediately in my mouth. Yep. This big like the Flintstones rib, like the big oh, piece legit. of meat. Yeah. Like a, a Flintstones rib is one pound. And, oh, my and God. Of them, actually, now the ones we just got are almost two pounds of meat. Oh, my bone. God. It's a beef rib? It's a beef rib. Okay, yeah. yeah it's yeah, freaking it's, huge. It's it's an amazing uh, it's an amazing little thing that the, oh, yeah. the owners come up with, you know? Perfect. But that's just the thing. It, it's don't don't stop learning. Don't stop doing something new. And, and those things that make you uncomfortable... That's the good stuff. Yeah, baby. Oh, that's a good lesson. I like that's that a lot. Stuff. I like that a lot. If you don't like it, if you're shying away from it, go headlong into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You that's might the... find out you really do hate it or you don't, but you can check it off the list. And that's what I kind of think that's the, the summarization of my 20s. That's good. Yeah, I nice. check more things off my list than I put onto it. Yeah, yeah. Follow the fear. Go for it. Yeah. All jump. right, man. Well, thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for doing this. Thanks for uh, well, let's go check out some more Austin of stuff. Of course, thanks for uh, having me on the podcast. My absolute pleasure. And that's Chris. Can you believe it? We hadn't been talking for so so long, and uh, we got got to catch up. It was interesting, obviously, as always. Um, thanks to Chris for doing the pod. Thanks to you, to you for listening. And uh, thanks for rating, reviewing, or sharing a you know share a clip on Instagram. You like the clips? Maybe you like maybe you're here because you like the clips on Instagram. There's good clips on Instagram at Down by the River Pod. Um, I do video of the podcast, and there's clips. Maybe just put one of those in your story. Like, hey, check this one out. I like this one. Um, here's a review from Dylan K Comedy. Thanks, Dylan K. Here's the review. This pod rips. I look forward to listening every week. Thanks, Dylan. I'm not sure if I know a Dylan, so um, this could be a true blue. Uh, River Rat. Thanks, Dylan. Appreciate it. Um, and I will catch you all uh, later this week. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.